So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1400, the cost to loneliness and how to drive meaningful connections in today's world. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Contribution is one of our basic human needs because when we give of ourselves, it makes us feel like we matter. Like what we are doing, we are contributing, we're actually making a difference. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Our topic shifts today to a huge, what's now being called an epidemic in our country, loneliness. More than 60% of Americans suffer from this. It is the fastest growing epidemic on the planet, and it often goes unchecked. So today we're going to explore loneliness and its impact on our well-being, including our financial well-being. Our guest, Yuni Turretini, is the author of Betraying the Nobel, The Secrets and Corruption Behind the Nobel Peace Prize, as well as the award-winning book, The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer, where she explores a mass shooting tragedy in Norway and what it teaches us about loneliness. Uni has law degrees from Norway, France, and the United States. She spent nearly a decade in law and finance before becoming a full-time author, speaker, and facilitator. So we talk about how loneliness and disconnection have more than just health ramifications, but they deliver financial problems as well. The different between being alone versus lonely, loneliness as a state of mind versus just being in a really bad intolerable situation, and remote work versus hybrid versus in-person work, which one of these approaches is best for mental health and supporting connection. Here's Uni Turatini. Uni Turatini, welcome to So Money. It's so nice to reconnect. It's been years since we had coffee. I think it was in the financial district in New York City, pre-pandemic, the before times. How are you? Farnoosh, it's so good to be here and to reconnect with you. I've been following you through all these years since we met. And, you know, it's been forever. It seems like it's been forever because our world has changed, right? So much since you know, these years before the pandemic, the booming years, right? And then just every everything just sort of, yeah, changed. And we should mention you are across the seas. Tell us yeah. where you live. And I think that's always cool when we have an international guest. <laughs> yeah. So I live in Oslo, Norway. I'm Norwegian by nationality, but I feel like a global citizen. I lived, you know, you know this, I'd lived uh, for a long time in the United States. I also lived in Paris, France, and and then in, in Switzerland, and my husband is, is Swiss, and our kids are multinational. So, so I feel pretty international. I love it, and 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 so appropriate for you and I to be talking about connection, which is the opposite of loneliness. You and I connected many years ago, as we mentioned, through a mutual friend. And you mentioned the pandemic. So much of our lives changed, obviously, during those two years. And and for many, in many ways, we're still experiencing the pandemic. It accelerated a lot. If you're looking at it from like maybe a business perspective, for businesses, it was an acceleration of transitioning to technology, going digital. As far as human beings are concerned, though, I think it accelerated what was already happening beforehand, which was this 
movement towards loneliness, Mm -hmm. right? Would you agree that the pandemic was in some ways a catalyst for a heightened level of loneliness in that, well, we were all isolated. So there was that physical component. Mm-hmm. Yes, we had the internet and yes, we were digitally connected, but maybe you could we could start there and just talk about how the last few years have really brought us to this point now where people are calling loneliness an epidemic, particularly yeah. among the Gen Z and Gen and I guess millennials. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I want to start with the fact that we know that loneliness was a big problem even before the pandemic. Um, the, the U.S. Surgeon General, Dr. Vivek Murphy, has called loneliness an epidemic. He's, he started calling it that in, in already back in 2017. So it, it's it's been a problem. But of course, enhanced by the pandemic and social distancing too. Mm-hmm. Um, so there you have the, so, but, so the pandemic really, you know, really disconnected us physically. So we weren't able to see people in person. A lot of us were not able to visit our, our, our friends or family. And it was really hard for, for a lot of people. Um, a study by Harvard um, shows that 60% of workers feel that their social relations have worsened during the pandemic. And and the the statistics from from Cigna, the Cigna U.S. Loneliness Index, shows us that three out of five American adults are struggling with loneliness today. Mm. So the numbers are definitely higher now than they were before the pandemic. Now, I I think one of the reasons why loneliness was such a big issue even before the pandemic is that a lot of us have struggled with loneliness without necessarily being aware that that's what it is because we have people around us. Most of us that struggle with loneliness, we're, we're social beings. We have family, we have friends, we have colleagues, but the quality of those relationships were not necessarily what we needed to feel fulfilled. Yeah. So um, that's a distinction that, um, and in addition to, to that, the pandemic with the social distancing just really enhanced that feeling of, of, of being all alone in the world. So I think I that's, that's a good place to start. Yeah. And this differentiation, this distinction between being alone versus loneliness. We're not alone. Who's alone? You yeah. know, you can walk out of your house and quickly be in a crowd. Yeah. You can be on the internet and join a club or a group or a Facebook group wherever mm-hmm. you go on the internet, there's somebody else. And yet, um, loneliness is more than just the physicality of it. It's, it's actually, it has nothing to do with the physicality of it. Um, expand on that a little bit more for us, because I think it's so true. And maybe the pandemic was an awakening to the fact that we have some relationships we don't, we don't actually need or are not of value to no. us. The pandemic really put things in perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it really made a lot of people think. And that's what we're seeing in the workplace also right now with the great resignation. So many people, yeah. actually 40%, this is a, a, this is what um, McKinsey um, did this global um, study last year into, in 2021, where they found that 40% of all people, of all, you know, all workers are considering either quitting their job or changing to a new job. And when we're talking about quitting, it's really life-changing decisions, right? People are just leaving 
and not necessarily coming back to 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 the corporate world at all, just doing something completely different. And that's where we're seeing that our, our values are changing. And I'm hopeful for news because I'm hopeful that it is for the better, that we are making wiser choices and decisions for ourselves, that it's not only this sort of life where you where you struggle and strive and work so hard, but your relationships are suffering. Maybe we can find a balance where um, where we can be in relationship and really connect with other people and also mostly with ourselves, like reconnect with ourselves and reconnect with other people, have more meaningful connections so that we can be more productive and be more fulfilled also in our professional lives. Because, I mean, of course, we cannot stop working. We have to, most of us, actually have to make a living. So we have to be able to to do the two. And what I find really interesting is how the connection part is so important for news mm-hmm. for our professional success as well, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're working for a company. Let's hold that thought. I want to get into mm-hmm. later in the show, your advice yeah. and your insights into the future and some of the realities that we have to square in some ways. Like we want more connection, but a lot of us don't want to go back into the office, right? There's this resistance to go back to work. I just want to get your thoughts on a lot of that stuff in a minute. But Uni, your arrival to this area of thought leadership, you mentioned a lot of statistics and studies, but you yourself have done a lot of research and spent time exploring loneliness. Tell us how you arrived at this, at this topic. Yeah. Oh, that's a, you know, I love talking about that. It's, it, it started for me back in 2011 when we had this horrific incident here in Norway, where this, this 32 year old man blew up the government center in Oslo, got away, drove to this, got to this Island outside of Oslo and started shooting at a teenage summer camp. And he killed, in just a few hours, he killed 77 people in one day, most of them teenagers. And that was such a blow to my country and the world. I remember, you know, watching CNN. I was living in in, in Switzerland at the time. And it, it was just, you know, such a huge um, shock and, and grief. And for me, when we discovered that this was not an, like a terrorist attack, this was not a foreign uh, group of people attacking Norway. This is one man and he grew up in my neighborhood, looked like me, could have been my younger brother. That's when I really, and had no history of violence, no criminal record. This was so out of the blue. And I went on a mission for news to find out how can this happen? What happened in this, in, in this case? And I started, you know, doing my own research because I didn't find the answers in the media. And I was following his trial um, and I just couldn't get the answers that I was looking for. So I started doing my own research and I um, contacted a lot of experts, including the FBI, and, um, you know, had a wonderful collaboration with a former FBI profiler who wrote the foreword to my book, The Mystery of the Lone Wolf Killer. And... Um, I studied hundreds of similar mass killers, mass shooters around the world. And what I found, you know, my goal was really to, if we can understand them and see, look and see if there are warning signs that we can all be aware of, then maybe we can prevent the next shooter. So that was my goal. And what I found, Farnoosh, um, what was so 
really is so fascinating to me was of all the warning sound, warning signs that I found, the one thing that really stood out for all of them was loneliness, was this feeling that I don't belong in our society, in our, just in our, you know, I, I, I just don't belong. There's, there's no place for me here. And I knew that feeling. That was something that I had felt as well, the pain of that. I grew up um, moving a lot as a child. My father was an engineer and we moved around, you know, changing cities and places within Norway. And I always felt like the outsider. Mm-hmm. I never, like I spoke the wrong dialect. I never wore the right clothes. I just, you know, like I was always the outsider. So I, I, I knew that feeling. Now, of course, this is an extreme, you know, the, the, the killers, these mass killers, that's the extreme result of loneliness. But I think that all of us can relate to this pain, you know, at, at some point in our lives, feeling that you don't fit in, that you're excluded, that you just don't, there's, there's, that you're not right, mm. that there's something wrong with you, that there's, you know, you, you would like to feel more, you know, secure and confident in who you are and, and, and where you show up, even in a room of people, right? At a work or, or wherever. So that's when I really started after my, my first book was published and we met. That's when I really started digging into the whole loneliness aspect because I was curious as to, as to my own process. Like, how did I get out of that? Because it was a vicious cycle that kept following me around, even though I had a career in law and finance, I I had lived in in numerous countries. Um, I always knew how to make friends. I have social skills, but I could often feel this sort of feeling of being unfulfilled. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think the turning point was a few years later when I was, you know, my, my, I too, I was, I was at home with my two small babies at home and I quit my job to be home with my family. And, you know, I have a great husband. I have two healthy kids. You know, I have everything that I ever wanted. Right. And I remember feeling empty and bored and just completely unfulfilled. And I felt such shame in admitting that to myself because you know, who, who am I to complain? I have everything that I need. I had, you know, the financial security. I had a great family. I, I, you know, I had left a career that I loved that I could always go back to, but you know, I, you know, I had everything. Why was I still so empty and unfulfilled? And that is a sense of loneliness that a lot of people are struggling with, but are not aware of. It's this mm-hmm. emptiness. And it, it it's important to to, to, to be aware in order to change that. But that's really part of my whole, my whole story with loneliness is this from this extreme, you know, result of mass shooters and mass killers to our everyday disconnection. And that has been my mission in the, you know, in the past few years is really figuring out how do we get out of that? And how can, what can I do to help people who struggle with this to have more fulfillment in their lives and also be more successful? Because unless we feel belonging and connection, 
we are putting a lid on, we're, we're limiting our own success as well. Mm-hmm. To hear you describe some of the signals of loneliness, some might experience that and think, well, <clears throat> maybe I'm depressed or yeah. maybe I'm burnt out. How do you actually pinpoint loneliness where you can differentiate it from another kind of, let's, I don't know, is it, is it even a mental illness? It's not, right? But sometimes it can dip into that where you had sort of the lone wolf killer, you mm-hmm. know, I think he was lonely, but he also was not well, like health, like mentally, right? So where is that line drawn? Like, where do you see that loneliness maybe tipping over? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's a really difficult question to answer because they're intertwined. You know, mental illness and loneliness are intertwined. And so first, when you start feeling a bit lonely, you don't necessarily have any mental disturbances, but they can easily turn into mentally, um, you know, mental illness over time, right? Um, and that's the that's the problem today with the loneliness that we have in our society is that it it can go years. You can go for years and not address the disconnection, the loneliness, these the sort of low grade depression that you might be carrying around. And without addressing it, and even if you address it only through medication, you're not really solving the, the problem of reconnecting. So, so that's, it's, it's, but it's a tough, it's, it's, it's a little bit, you know, the, the chicken, the chicken or the egg, what, what started first when it comes to, when it comes to mental illness, right. And loneliness. And, but to be honest, I don't think it really matters that much to know the the line between the two obviously if you're if you are struggling with any type of mental disorder or illness you know seek help through you know um, you know medical expertise mm-hmm. right um and in addition to that it's important to to take steps um you know and also for the rest of us to take steps to feel more connected because i think we can all feel more connected in our lives. All of us can benefit from that. So I think for, for anyone really is, is, you know, is important. Yeah. But I can definitely see how loneliness is at the root of many of the issues that stifle you in life. And let's transition to talking a little bit about loneliness in the context of our careers, our financial lives. You know, you have so much to offer in terms of advice. And there's actually three steps, right? Three elements Mm -hmm. um, for us to feel reconnected and experience success in our financial lives, in in our work lives. And I'll just preface by saying that when you're managing your money, we don't grow up with the tools and language to manage our money as adults healthily in many cases. Yeah. And so that that alone can make us feel alone. Like we don't have, we don't know where to turn to. We feel like there's all this pressure to figure it out on our own. We feel shame, as you've pointed out, low self-esteem. And so first you say it's about confidence, developing mm-hmm. confidence. Tell us what is involved in that? What is the work behind that? Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, the, the, I found that there are three elements that we all need to feel connected. And confidence is the foundation for everything. And when I, when I talk about confidence and, and especially, you know, self-confidence, a lot of people ask me, well, what does 
what does that have to do with anything, right? They're a little surprised. And, and that is because of what we think that loneliness is. And when you look loneliness up in the dictionary, it will tell you that loneliness is when we, when we are either socially isolated, like physically, or when our, the relationships that we have already have in our lives, they don't fulfill our need for connection. So those are the two things that you find in the dictionary about loneliness. Um, But I would like to add a third element to that, that connect, that loneliness is also a disconnection from yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, because when someone says they're lonely, what they're really saying is, I don't believe I'm worthy of love and connection, mm-hmm. right? So our self-worth is so intertwined with our connection with ourselves and also our connection with other people. So the first thing to do with when we, when we want to work on our connection is really to reconnect with ourselves. And so it's an inner job first, Mm -hmm. right? And the ways that we can reconnect with ourselves, the most effective ways to do this is through grounding and gratitude, Mm -hmm. right? And grounding, we can get grounding through, you know, meditation, breath work, yoga. There's so many ways to be grounded. So I think each person have to figure out what works best for me. For example, for me, I love to have a, like a daily practice in the morning because it's so easy. I mean, we are bombarded today with so many things that dis, you know, that dis, you know, disable us that, that, you know, that can, um, take us, that can disconnect us, I would say from ourselves and from other people. I mean, you know, the news, you know, fake news, information, other people's opinions, emails, you know, bombarded, like all the time. Right. Yeah, exactly. All the time. So it's important to have a daily practice, at least for me, because we get distracted, right? So I like to sit down in the morning and meditate for a few minutes and it doesn't have to be long, right? We have to make this easy for ourselves because we're all busy. You know, most of us have, you know, we have jobs and families and, and all sorts of things. So, you know, even just five minutes, just breathing. And I like to journal, so I'd like to write down, you know, using an old fashioned, pa- you know, pen and paper and write at the top of my journal. And I write down, how can I love or respect myself a little more today? You know what works for me? And I'm not a journaler, despite the fact that I like to write books and write, yeah. uh, but I'm, I find that I'm, I'm lousy at keeping a habit of journaling. But I often find that in my life, whenever I'm lacking confidence in a moment, and I write about this in my, in my upcoming book, it's almost like you have to get out of your own head yeah. a little bit and look at the environment, almost lean out instead of, you know, say mm-hmm. lean in, like, mm-hmm. you know, it, we almost have to decentralize ourselves in that moment because it's not about you sometimes. If you're in a, if you're in an experience at work, for example, and you're feeling imposter syndrome, or if you're mm-hmm. feeling microaggressed, which can totally be real things, people can be horrible at work, but I have to remember that it's not my problem. It's not yeah. about me. It's about the other person. Yeah. And whatever they're dealing with. And it can be this sort of uh, heavy weight that gets lifted. And you realize, although you feel targeted and attacked, and maybe that's creating loneliness or a sense of lacking self-worth, that 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 feeling is coming from the external world somewhere and it's arriving in your space. Where is it coming from? And what is it saying about that world or that person or that institution or whatever that's making you feel that way? 
I don't yeah. know. It's a mental trick. It's not really a trick. It's just a, it's, it's almost a reality check that I have yeah. to remember to, to, to give myself. Yeah. And, and so it does help to build confidence and it's almost like, yeah, you know, it's not about me. It's about them. It is so important what you're saying. And I think where it's coming from is really, we're so, we've been conditioned to, to, to look for other people's recognition, right? To get confirmation, affirmation that we are worthy of something. And we, and we get that, you know, most for most of us through accomplishments, through success, you know, if we can show people that we are successful, you know, we will, we think that we will feel worthy and that we will get other people's, um, recognition. And so it's this, at the same time, what you're saying is that we're, you know, we need to get out of our own, own heads and realize that it's, it's not only about us, right. When it comes to, you know, our, you know, our relationships are, you know, everything that we do, but at the, but at the other side of that is we need to come back to ourselves mm-hmm. and start valuing ourselves for who we, for who we are. And also getting to know, like, who am I really? What, what, what makes me happy? Not what makes my parents happy or my husband or all these other people around me happy, right? Mm -hmm. What makes me happy? So it's that coming back to ourselves part. And at the same time, stepping out of our own, you know, the, the, the The voices in your head, the assumptions in our heads about how everything is about us. And, and seeing that, no, it's not, you know, other people's projections, my own product projections and all this sort of negative chatter. Like, what am I inheriting from the external yeah. world that I didn't invite, but here it is. And now I'm exactly. dealing with it. And I think it's me. Yeah. Um, next element is you say contribution. We kind of mm-hmm. touched on this, you know, writing down, journaling. Um, yeah. And I do believe that it's that, that, I mean, it sounds maybe woo woo, but gratitude is such an effective way of working out of a lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, I talked to a guest on the show once who had lost all her money through Bernie Madoff's yeah. schemes. I mean, everything and, but mm-hmm. not everything. And what helped her was uni writing down what she had not lost, mm-hmm. a much smart, shorter list than what she had lost, but realized that still she had her health, she had her relationship yeah. with her spouse, she had her gift of writing, yeah. and she turned that whole trauma into writing, and she channeled that into writing a book and, and is back on her feet. But it was, she credits like literally looking at what she had not lost, yeah. what remained, yeah. Um, to give her the ability to reconnect with herself and yeah. feel confident to, to, to sort of move on and get up out of bed. Absolutely. And that gratitude part is, is just so crucial to setting the intention of how we're going to feel and show up in our, in our daily lives. So mm-hmm. that is also part of my, of my practice in the morning. And what also helps me feel grateful is that whole contribution part. Contribution is one of our basic human needs because when we give of ourselves, it makes us feel like we matter, like mm-hmm. what we are doing, we are contributing, we're actually making a difference. And so having something that, and it's all, it also helps to get you out of your own, the misery of your own head and into a more creative, positive state of mind. So 
like what I always say to people is I do something for someone else, like one thing every day. Yeah. Um, it's something that I learned from, from, from one of my mentors is hope, help one person every day. And I love that because, you know, and it doesn't have to take up a lot of time. It doesn't have to be a lot, but you know, if you, if you like the so many podcasts, rate it, you know, (laughs) share it, you know, like spread the word, you know, you're helping, you know, for news, you're helping me, whatever, you know, and, or if you like a book, if you, if you, you know, if you like somebody's post on Instagram, share it, comment on it. Or, you know, text an, an old friend that you haven't been in touch with for a long time. Something nice for someone else. Hold the door open for, for someone, you know, who's coming because up behind you. Like all these like little things, right? It's contagious. Yeah. Um, I have a book here that I have not read yet, but it's called The War for Kindness. Have you heard of this book? I haven't. Um, I love the title. Neil Zaki. He's a Stanford professor. He writes about empathy. The sidebar, but you just yeah. inspired me to, to to share this with everybody, which is that you know you're talking about hope and help one person um, every day. That is not just because it makes you feel good or that person feels good, because as you're paying it forward, that person yeah. is going to then do that. It's contagious when we um, are reminded of the value and feelings mm-hmm. of of someone thinking of us or reaching out to us, um, validating our work. We know how it feels and we will want to help out the next person. Okay. Connection is your third element. And we touched on this very early on in the conversation, which was that we're prioritizing our relationships a lot more now since the pandemic, which is a good thing. It really um, is what you're talking about here. Exactly. So yeah, absolutely. So this part is really about the relationships that we have. And we've spoken about the relationship that you have with yourself through, you know, self, you know, self-confidence and, and, and self-worth. And this part is really, how are you relating to other people? I mean, connection with other people, relationships are really the foundation for, for everything, for how we communicate, how we solve conflict, how we do everything in our lives. And, and, you know, even in, in a corporate setting and at a company or even as countries, right? And we see this over and over, even though we know that relationships are so crucial, we still don't prioritize them. You know, we try to solve conflict without building relationships first. Mm -hmm. And it's like mind blowing to me how we're still, you know, trapped in that. But I do think that it's that we, that maybe we have this belief that relationships are hard work. And we just don't have the the time or the energy or the bandwidth to to become you know close friends with everyone around us. And I and I get that, and especially uh, you know with your colleagues at work. But when it comes to relationships in this setting, in the sort of the connection you know setting, we don't need to be close to reap the benefits of the relationships. What's important is that the, our interactions throughout the day are generous, are kind, are, you know, of high quality. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, looking people in the eyes, um, you know, learning people's names and using the names when you, when you pass someone in the, in the hall or the elevator, or, you know, maybe, you know, you, you have this, you know, somebody that you see every day on the, on the subway, talk to them, say, hi, Hey, how are you doing today? And just learn a little something about them. Right. These types of interactions can really mean the world and really change your day when you have someone like it's it's and we all have 
experience that, right? When we have this encounter with someone and that encounter can, you know, can be like 30 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. But it just makes you smile and it just gives you this good feeling for the rest of the day. And so if we can try to be that for each other on a daily basis, right? Just do something, do something nice, smile at someone, be helpful. I think that be warm, generous, right? I think that can, you know, and, and I know it's not that I think, I know that that makes a world of difference because what we do in those in those situations, in those interactions, is that we create relational energy. And relational energy, which is really just the energy that is created in every single social interaction that we have. But what it does is that it, it generates a chain of reactions. The first reaction is emotional. It makes us feel good. The second reaction is cognitive, which means that it, it actually makes us more focused. It increases our our uh, intellectual capacity, our concentration. And those two together, the emotional and the cognitive, that makes us more productive. So not only is connection and relationships something that is that is good for our mental well-being and, and overall contentness and happiness, but it actually makes us more productive and also has the potential to make us more successful in our life. And just coming back to this, this whole hope and help one person every day, if there's one thing that really fills, you know, all three of these elements, it's really that because it, it really builds your self-worth, mm. you, know, you, you contribute and you also work on your relationships or on, on your connection. And, and I, you know, I really believe that it, you know, relationships connection really is a superpower because it can really give you everything that you want in life and more. I agree with all of that. And I just wanted to throw out another idea because you talked about the definition of loneliness earlier and how it's sort of limiting and you have your third definition. And, and as I've been researching loneliness and I've sort of, a lot of the academics will say it's a state of mind. Mm -hmm. But we all know that loneliness can be thwarted at us. Like we can walk into a situation and we are not welcomed because of yeah. the color of our skin or no. our, the list is long. There yeah. are many causes for rejection in society and, and that can elicit loneliness. And so advice for those listening who don't, who feel like their loneliness is not escapable because they're walking into a work environment yeah. or a community or what have you, um, and they're not accepted, and and that is making them lonely. And I know they can, you know, have built confidence in ways, but at the end of the day, like your environment matters. So, yeah. are, would you give people permission to leave and find connection elsewhere? Because that's part of the work that is only going. We are the only ones who can do that. No one's going to arrive at our doorstep and yeah. say the world has changed, the world is better. You can come out now. Absolutely. You know, and thank you for bringing that up, Farnoosh, because it is so important. When you have, when you're in situations and you've tried, you know, you know, you've done your part of the work of showing up and, and being yourself and, and connecting with people and people are, you know, you know, these are not your people. Yeah. If you they're not your feel, people. That's not, you know, and we, and we are not meant to belong with everyone. We're not everyone's cup of tea and that's okay. And it's okay to close that door and to open another. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Whether that's changing that the job, 
you know, looking for something else, whether it's maybe you have to close the door on some old friends. I've had to do that, you know, moving back to Norway after more than 20 years abroad and, you know, reconnecting with my you know, like old childhood friends, you know, after so many years, it was really hard. And I so wanted it to be what it used to be, but we've all changed and we moved on and it's, you know, so some of them, okay, so you put a little bit of distance between us, uh, mm-hmm. between, you know, and it's, and it can be hard and it can be, you know, it can feel hurtful, but I think, I think that we're all in our lives for a purpose. So if you feel that you've learned what you needed to learn and, and you're just not right for another, absolutely close that door, move yeah. on, you know, there, you make space for new and better people into your life. I always say, you know, fire bad friends. If, <laughs> if your friends are not, you know, if they're not happy for your success, if they don't support you, you know, and, and ask about your work and your life and they don't really show that they care about you. Move on yeah. to better friends. Right? I call those so I think high, it's important. Yeah. high maintenance friends when it's all about them and yeah. you know exactly. making them feel um, exactly Absolutely. comfortable and good. Lastly, because I teased it earlier, I can't let you go without getting your opinion on working from home versus working in office. I know there's a big gap between what the CEOs want and what the employees yeah. want. Who's right in terms of what will be better for protecting our mental health and connecting? Yeah. Oh, great question. And it's something that I talk about a lot these days, you know, with companies and the companies that I work with. And I think it's important, you know, our, the pandemic has changed the way we work in our workplaces and we will never go back to what used to be normal. So I think it's important to just accept that and to, when it's possible, accommodate you, you know, uh, your, your workers, your coworkers to work from home when it's possible. But there is, you know, there's challenges when it comes to, there are challenges when it comes to connection. And we also need the time together, but we can plan when we meet, when we get together. We don't always have to be in the same room to, and, and, and we know that from even before the pandemic that, People were lonely even when they were, you know, in shared office office spaces. So it's not about that. It's really about the quality of our interactions. And there's so much we can do even when we have work, you know, virtual work meetings, right? We can, you you can start out the meeting where, you know, you sort of do a round robin where, you know, everyone gets to share one thing that they are struggling with right now, or one thing that they're grateful for, or, or share something like just a little thing about them and their personal life. And then the other ones gets to, they get to, um, to give feedback. Yeah. That just, that little exercise breaks the ice and makes everybody feel welcome and that they are part of something. And also, you know, we, when we learn a little more, you know, of our personal lives, of, uh, you know, we learn a little bit more about each other. We always feel more connected. We always feel that, you know, we, we have something in common. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, you know, there's so many exercises, there's so many small things that we can do in a company setting to create connection, whether we're working from home or at the office. Now, I think one of the biggest problems with getting people back to, you know, physically to be in the office is that the workplace 
has been completely neglected. I mean, the relationship part, the connection part has been neglected in the workplace. So we're actually not that happy at work Mm -hmm. and our relationships that we have at work with our colleagues are not fulfilling. So I think that is the number one issue to deal with for companies and for leaders is to how do we improve those? How do we improve our relationships, our connection part, prioritizing relationship, right? At the, at work. If you do that, your workplace will not only be a place to be productive, it's going to be a tool for connection, a tool for community. And when you get that, when your company is a community, people actually want to be there, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, to have that, I, th- I think we're, we're going to be looking at a hybrid version for a very long time, maybe forever, right? But to have the workplace become a community where you actually get your need for so- social connection fulfilled, you don't, you, not only does it have a huge impact on the, on the company bottom line, but you can actually solve the loneliness epidemic. In a country where we don't have support for families and yeah. we have inflation and it costs so much to get from point A to point B, it's expensive and it takes time. In the absence of those structures and support systems, I don't understand how there is a real ROI to coming into the office, especially to your point, if there's not a plan. I have I see policies where it's like you just have to come in twice a week but you're not coordinating with your team. You're just going into an office alone just to say you went into the office. I don't understand how that makes any sense. That makes no sense whatsoever. And it's a, it's a really, um, we have an opportunity here Mm -hmm. and, and business leaders and companies have an opportunity here to really take their business to another level through connection. And also, as a society, we have an opportunity to solve this whole loneliness epidemic. So this is really, I'm, this is really something that I'm passionate about, and something I, I'm definitely working on. And and thank you for news for 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 helping spread that message and how how important this connection part is. And you know what? It's not that hard to do. It's not that hard, difficult to do something about it. You just know, need to know what steps to make. And, and put those and implement those steps and people will feel better and they will want to come back to work. Yes, Uni, thank you so much. And recognizing it and not being sh- afraid or shameful to yeah. admit it. Um, but, you know, loneliness, it, it, it affects all of us. I have no doubt you are going to be very busy uh, in the years to come as we, as we try to master this. Uni Turatini, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Farnoosh, so much for having me. Thanks so much to Uni for joining us. I'll have all of her links to her books and website in our episode notes. Join us back here on Friday for Ask Farnoosh. You can still send me your questions. Just DM me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi or send me an email, farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope your day is so money. So money.